And welcome to Super Nerd Podcast, the adventure that brings you the latest nerd news and rumors from movies, TV, entertainment, and sometimes science. You name it, if it is nerdy, we are talking about it. And tonight's main event is Falcon and the Winter Soldier pre-finale nerd out. I am your host, Austin, and with me, as always, is the amazing Amanda! Hey! The wild yet elusive Jekka! Present! The rambunctious Bob! What up? And burn, Brady Burn! What up? Hey! <laughs> thanks so much for joining us! Obviously, we're talking... Falcon and the Winter Soldier in our predictions for the upcoming finale. But we'll also be talking the first clip from Ghostbusters Afterlife has been released. Marvel has dropped the first trailer for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Reports of the story for Star Wars Ahsoka have hit the net and a whole lot more. So make sure to hit that podcast subscribe button. We would love to nerd out with you each and every week. And if you've already hit that Podcast subscribe button, you know what I'm going to say. Plus 10 Nerd XP to you. Nerd XP. We love you guys. And for everyone else, as soon as you hit that podcast subscribe button, you too can start earning Nerd XP. Nerd XP. Uh, but in the meantime, we did not have a uh, episode last week. And, uh, you know, the reason for that is, uh, you know, there was a death in the family. And uh, I had to spend some time. Uh, away and uh you know take care of that and uh, i'm glad to be back uh nerding out with all of you and so uh so we've got like two weeks worth of nerding out to do so jekka what have you been up to what's nerdy with you what have you been doing um i'll just keep mine short because we have a lot of fun stuff that i especially want to talk about um but from our Kong versus Godzilla nerd out and watching that. I've actually been watching like all the other movies in that reboot series, <laughs> and I watched Godzilla King of Monsters, and I have to say I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, especially the whole like the like the one of spoilers. the people are like yeah, spoiler, yeah, spoiler warnings. Spoiler warning. <laughs> I just got a kick out that like they start waking up all these titans, and they're like, "We want to bring balance to the world," so that humans don't destroy it and these monsters start destroying and i'm like yeah you guys thought that through really well (laughs) (laughs) and let them wreak havoc on the world because yeah that will definitely help like it just it was it cracked me up i thoroughly enjoyed it you don't you don't watch those movies for intelligent choices from humans you watch it for monster mayhem Exactly, and it was yeah. like I, I must still be needing that monster mayhem because I thoroughly enjoyed it for the fact that it was monster mayhem. <laughs> it just tore up Boston instead, so it was great. <laughs> yeah. All right, Brady, what's nutty with you? Oh, you know, staying busy. I've been trying to get out of my office as much as possible, so uh, I uh, went outside, built some stuff with wood. <laughs> Oh, did the dad stuff. I, I planted uh, like six strawberry in strawberry plants. And then yeah. I just have them in little planters. And then I uh, so I went out after work and I've been working on a build building like a 48 inch elevated raised planter nice. bed so doing oh, that. Nice. And uh, yeah, so I hope to finish it tomorrow uh, after work since since I'm working from home. 
I can just go down to the garage and hammer away. So I've just got to uh, put some slats in the bottom and some screen to keep the soil in, but have good drainage. Uh, and then I'm going to transplant my strawberry plants, which I'm already getting berries on. Um, nice. So that's my, that's my dad's stuff. And then uh, um, my youngest son, we've been watching. Um, we finally let the boys start watching and they're hooked on stranger things. <laughs> so immediately my youngest son was already somewhat interested but as soon as we started watching that he's like dad i want to play D D. want to play D D." and i mentioned a couple of weeks ago that he had been he had been building a character so i took him yeah. through a little one-shot campaign this uh i don't even want to call it a campaign a little one-shot adventure this yeah. past yeah. week i just i just pulled some stuff down bought a couple of things off adventure league and and uh so I've got some stuff lined up for him. So we'll be doing some D and uh, I had to pull some punches cause he was flying solo without my other kids. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I actually rolled two nat twenties against him and I just, I just couldn't crush my kid like that. So <laughs> didn't want to kill him on his first level one adventure. So oh, <laughs> oh my God. So wow, yeah, you're, you're nicer than my brother. He's just like, I got a nat 20. Here we go. <laughs> oh, if it was a sibling, I'd have crushed him. But I can't, you know, my kid, <laughs> I got to, I got to build him up before I tear him down. <laughs> it, it's funny. Austin has done a game, uh, an RPG with the kids, but he doesn't include dice. And I think that's part of it. Well, <laughs> so he, he can balance it. I, I have included dice. So I, um, you know, sometimes when I roll, you know, natural 20 type situations as a DM, you know, sometimes I, if, if I have the same inclination as you did brady i don't want to crush them you know sometimes i find creative ways to uh, to uh you know uh natural 20 the situation for example i there was one time where like there was like a whole herd of of like i don't know people shooting bows and arrows at my people and they're running on this beach trying to get to their ship i just had i just had one of them you know uh, you know, suddenly develop a, you know, like narcolepsy and just like fall asleep right then and there on the beach. So that's so, so I didn't kill, I didn't kill the dude, but I had him fall asleep and he couldn't wake up, you know, cause he got hit by like some like potion arrow instead of a real arrow. And, and, uh, and all the rest of the people had to drag his body on the ground. It was, it, it made for some pretty funny, uh, conversations, but that's hilarious. Anyways, we got a whole lot of nerd news, so let's get to it. And, and props to you, Brady, for not smashing your child. Yeah. <laughs> Many Bothans died to bring us this information. Ooh. And what is the news that should be on your nerd radar? Well, the first clip from Ghostbusters Afterlife has been released. The first clip, that's right, from Ghostbusters Afterlife has been released, and it features Paul Rudd's character, Mr. Gooberson, shopping for food in a grocery store. And while shopping, he ends up being surprised by a bunch of many... Stave puffed marshmallow man. <laughs> the uh, the clip came with the following note: sweet, mischievous, savage. Mini puffs are out of the bag. The scene was a very uh, it had a very Gremlins vibe to it. That's immediately what I thought of. They need thought. to sell these in marshmallow packages. Uh -huh. I would buy them. Well. Uh, you know, you know, we have, we have random marshmallows coming to life. Uh, you know, what does this mean for the story? If anything, will other random things come to life? Who knows? But or is this just a dream? 
that maybe Rudd's character is having. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it fits in the story. But this next chapter is the official Ghostbusters 3 we fans have all wanted and is set in the original Ghostbusters universe. None of that other, you know, stuff that we won't even mention, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> anyway, this film centers on a single mom and her two kids, and after arriving in a small town, they begin to discover their connection to the original Ghostbusters due to the secret legacy their grandfather left behind. So the film was directed by Jason Reitman from a script he wrote with Gil Keenan, and the movie stars uh, Carrie Coon, Finn Wolfhard, uh, McKen- McKenna Grace, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, and Sigourney Weaver are also returning. So the link to watch this clip is in the podcast show notes, and it is totally worth taking a look. But uh, in the meantime, let's take a listen to this clip and talk about it afterwards. So here we go. Shimoka. Strawberry, red velvet. Blue velvet. I'm digging it. I'm digging it. It's cute, right? It's going to be fun. It shows that they're going to have a lot of fun with it. I think oh, that, yeah. I think that, you know, this, you know, this is just eye candy and it's uh, something for the fans. I think, you know, you harken back to the, to the other trailer that's been released Yes, where they actually have the Ecto one and you have Finn Wolfhard and all those other characters and the throwback to um, Ramus's character, Egon, um, which seems like he's going to be the grandfather, po- probably that they're all, um, yeah. yeah, that they're all finding stuff out about. I, this it it's got, you know, the the original Ghostbusters was very much a comedy, you know. I mean, this one's got it just seems like a higher production value. I don't know if that's the if that's really just because it's more modern or what, but it. I, I like the feel from these trailers, especially the longer one, the trailer for the movie. It's got a really good feel to it, and it looks like almost a uh, a handoff of the uh, of the torch, you know, to the to the next generation, mm-hmm. um, which could be carried forward or not. This could be the end of it, but either way, I'm really excited about seeing this. This looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. I, it does. I completely agree with you. I, I do have to say, my favorite part of the the um, marshmallow trailer is when they're um, putting a Stay puff marshmallow man in a s'more. <laughs> I like the one I going through the grates. The, morbid, <laughs> the morbidity of it. Like they're roasting each other. I yeah. love that. Like that <laughs> me up. And did you so, guys notice that the soundtrack is the same as like the library scene? Yeah. Yeah. I, like when I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, like original. Ooh, yeah. So, yeah, has the original vibe all over this. Here is my pitch for a toy 
they need to make like a little stuffed animal stay puff marshmallow man. They're doing that for sure. And put them in a marshmallow bag on the toy aisle. I really would have liked to have seen this trailer end with just even even a low volume, whatever, but the old Ghostbusters theme, just the (laughs) Now Jigsaw, okay, so I had this thought. Do you think this uh, was always a uh, always part of the the original Ghostbusters Afterlife story, or do you think because of uh, the popularity of Baby Yoda, they decided to bring in some baby stage puffs? Like, I'm, I'm kind of curious about that. I honestly think it was part of it to begin with, and that they were saving it for people as a surprise. Mm. And they're trying to get people reinvigorated for it. Yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. You know, just listening to the uh, soundtrack portion, you know, those state puffs actually kind of sound like Ewoks. (laughs) So. It really wouldn't even surprise me if this were one of those scenes that's not even in the movie. You know, it's just. It it really wouldn't. Yeah, it just, it would. Really wouldn't surprise me if this was just some kind of promo hype trailer, which I'd be okay with. I mean, I don't need baby marshmallows, but I do. If they're in, if they're in there, I, I absolutely hope they are for Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. One hundred percent confirmed. Michael Keaton's Batman is returning in the Flash. So good news is coming in from the DC universe in the form of the Flash. Starting, it's starting, it's shooting in London, and Michael Keaton's Batman officially is returning to play a role in the film. So last year, we got the news that Keaton was in talks to return to the role. We even had some concept art from The Flash with Michael Keaton's Batman in those uh, art pieces. But the actor was also quick to let fans know that the part was not set in stone and even a few weeks ago was playing very coy, telling Deadline, quote, we'll see what happens, end quote. But the rap has now confirmed that after COVID concerns, Keaton ultimately decided to take on the role and was able to join production this week. So Keaton is joining Ezra Miller, who's reprising his role as Barry Allen's The Flash, as well as Ben Affleck, who's reprising his Batman. Uh, Kiersey Clemens is playing Iris West. Sasha Calais has been cast in the role of Supergirl and Ron Livingston and uh, Maribel Verdu are playing Barry's parents. So The Flash is set to hit theaters on November 4th, 2022. And that is the power of fans. I feel like, you know, we were always like, that'd be so cool, that'd be so cool, Mikey Keaton, come back and yeah. cool. and Here it is. Yeah, I say that's what we're doing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm still taking I, the for it. <laughs> I, I, I gotta be honest though, like, I really had I never had any doubt that Michael Keaton was not coming to the role. Like, when they when they released the the concept art, in my mind, that was pretty much 100% confirmed. Like, why would Warner Brothers release that concept art if Michael Keaton was not going to be in it? Like, you don't, you don't do that, you know? It'd be, it, it'd be like, it'd be like uh, having Luke Skywalker in the uh, teaser trailer for uh, you know a new Star Wars movie, and then the movie comes out and there's no Luke Skywalker, like you just don't do that. So I think maybe Keaton was just you know I don't know. 
trying to play out for maybe better contracting uh, contract positions or for had or maybe, COVID issues. Yeah, maybe he didn't have legit COVID issues, but I, I never had any doubt he, he was he's coming back. I think they would have held production for him. Yeah, yeah, you I can't. Because like, when I saw that release date, I was like, man, I wanted to come out sooner than that. Like, 2022 is so far away. Yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of originally set to come out at the end of this year. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the the Flash would have come out uh, before uh, Spider Man Homecoming, or not Spider Man Homecoming, Spider Man Far From Home, because they're starting to do their little multiverse thing there too. So, anyways, I can't wait. Michael Keaton. Back as Batman. I hope they get him to do more than just this. It would be so freaking sweet. Oh, but, yep. Yeah. All right, moving on. Marvel has released the first trailer for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Marvel Studios has dropped the first teaser trailer and poster for its upcoming martial arts action thriller, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. The first straight-up martial arts film from Marvel Studios. The film was directed by Destin Daniel Crenton of Short Terms 12 in the Glass Castle from a script written by Dave Callahan, who wrote Wonder Woman 1984 and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse 2. It stars Sam Liu. That's Liu. It, Liu. Who seems great in the role? I mean, he, he's joined by Aquafina as Katie and Tony Lamb as Wenwu. Yeah. Michelle Yao is also reportedly in the film. So Shang Chi, Michelle Yao, yay! Yeah, Shang Chi first appeared in Special Marvel Edition number fifteen in December nineteen seventy three. The comic. Launched around the same time that Bruce Lee's Enter the Dragon became a global sensation and martial art films were all the rage. So the movie is said to modernize the hero to avoid any stereotypes that many comic Asian characters of that era were saddled with. But the character is described as a spy, a romantic, a philosopher, an avenger, and one of the best martial artists in the Marvel Universe. So Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings... Is currently set for release on September 3rd this year. So let's take a listen to the trailer. And as always, the link to the trailer is in the podcast show notes. to live your life. Now you see me rise. And where did that get you? You walked in my shadow. I trained you. Most dangerous people in the world couldn't kill you. Son, it's time for you to take your place by my side. You better watch out because it's my time. That's not going to happen. 
you. Shang-Chi and Legend of the Ten Rings. I am thoroughly, thoroughly excited for this. This is what I've been waiting for. I want to see the Mandarin come full force. And if they do that, they would be crazy not to pay uh, Robert Downey Jr. every (laughs) dollar that he is worth. Just so I can see uh, the Mandarin versus Iron Man. Shang-Chi's kind of man. But the Mandarin. It's all about the Mandarin. Yeah. So you think that was the Mandarin at the end of the trailer there, sitting in I that little so. uh, throne? I yeah, think a lot so. of people are, a lot of people on the internet are saying that. But 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 correct me if I'm wrong, but that that actor is the same actor that is talking throughout this entire trailer about, you know, I gave you ten years to live your life and I've been training you that whole time. Yeah. It, it, I'm pretty sure it's the same guy. Like it, it, he looks like he's walking uh Shang Chi around. So I I don't I know very little about Shang Chi and, and the Legend of the Ten Rings and all this stuff. Do you, do you guys know anything about this? I know nothing, but I do know you got the actor's name wrong. Okay, well that doesn't surprise it, anyone. It's not Sam at all. Like I even like Googled it to check. His name is not Sam. It's Simu. <laughs> okay, sorry, Simu. <laughs> I just had to put that in because it bugged me. <laughs> no problems. It, uh, look, look. This, I mean, this, this looked like uh, a modern crouching tiger, hidden dragon set in today. Same thing. Like it has that vibe to it, and I love crouching tiger, hidden. Yeah. Dragon. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great film. That was that was a lot of fun. Uh, uh, I like the movie Hero. That's my favorite. Uh, uh, Kung Fu flick. So what I'm excited about is that they're expanding the Marvel forces to more outside the United States. And the reason I like that is because that will put, that will put pressure on the, on the um, Sokovian Accords because you've got super powered humans coming from all parts of the world. And how are they going to keep people controlled? Yeah. We're sentinels. (laughs) So I, I'm really excited to see how they're going to be working things out and how people are going to be meeting up. Yeah, it, it looks cool. I uh, Do you think Marvel can pull off a, a martial art film, though? I mean, that is quite different than uh, anything they've done before. I mean, it, it's pretty obvious they're going for that, like, super martial art flick vibe with, like, you know... Uh, Crouch and Tiger, Hidden Dragon esque, Bruce Bruce Lee, Enter the Dragon esque type of feel. I don't know. What do you think? Can Marvel pull it off? Um, I just need to check something well, on me. All I can say is they really, really need to do better than Iron Fist. I liked Iron Fist. I, 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 know I did like it. I, I, I enjoyed it, but. They didn't pull it off. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It, it felt a little cardboardy, but it was still, it was still good. 
So hopefully they learned a bunch from that. <laughs> yeah. All right, moving on. Oh, Matt... I just want to add one more oh, thing to that. Sorry. Yeah. I'm curious. Like, I've recently realized that Michelle Yeoh is one of my favorite actresses. So I'm just thrilled that she's in this movie. And she was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yes. Yes, so she I'm was. She's coming back to a martial arts film. Yeah, absolutely. All right, moving on. Mads Mickelson is joining the cast of Indiana Jones 5. That's right. Mad Mickelson from Rogue, Rogue One and Casino Royale and Hannibal is set to star alongside Harrison Ford and Phoebe Waller-Bridge in director James Mangold's Indiana Jones 5. Stop, stop. Phoebe. There are still Phoebe. no details. <laughs> What did I say? Phoebe. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, maybe she's got a, you know, some sort of, she's scared or something. But anyways, Phoebe, Phoebe and all of them are, uh, are in Indiana Jones 5, but there's still no details to share on the plot of the story or who these new actors will be playing. But let's be honest, Mads, he's going to be the villain. I mean, he's got villain vibe all over him. So in addition to this news, it's also been announced that the maestro himself, John Williams, will be returning to score the movie, just as he's done with every Indiana Jones film before. And director James Mangold recently teased that he was developing a film set in the 1960s New York City. And there's been speculation that this next Indiana Jones movie is that very same project. So we all know for sure that Ford will be back as Indiana Jones and it will be the final time he plays the character. So I don't know, this very well could be the final Indiana Jones film uh, that we'll ever see. Who knows? Yeah. But when previously talking about his approach to the new Indiana Jones movie, Mangold had the following to say about where he was taking Indiana Jones 5. So, quote, I'm always trying to find the emotional center to operate from. I think the most important thing is, in an age when franchises have become a commodity, that serving the same thing again, at least for me, in the dances I've had with, with any franchise. Uh, serving the same thing again the same way usually just produces a longing for the first time you ate it, meaning it makes the audience wish that they just had the first one over again. So you have to push something to someplace new while also remembering the core reasons why everyone uh, was gathered. And to use the Wolverine movie, Logan, as an example of that, when you're dealing in a world of very pressured franchise. Uh, for all of the things that they, uh, for all the things, and there were many that I freed myself from in the canon, in the baggage, and to try to make the best story, the core values of Logan, of Wolverine, and Charles Xavier and the X Men were something that I felt we never abandoned. The core ideas of their honor, their sense of duty, and their uniqueness of this particular set of characters, that they were outcasts, oddities. Beings that had no home in this world and yet were trying to do good. We're trying to do something right and find a way. The, uh, those core issues were at the heart of the movie. And in any franchise I take in, I'm always be trying to capture and make sure that we preserve those core ideas that are at the center because that's why these stories are more than franchises. They're the fairy tales of our contemporary culture. End quote. So... 
So Mad Mickelson in Indiana Jones 5 and uh, James Mangold, who did direct Logan, that's why he's talking about it, um, saying that he's, he's trying to bring something new to this franchise so we don't just sit there longing for the first Indiana Jones film. I don't know why <laughs> like we did when the fourth one came out. Really? So, really? Yeah. I'm like, hey, it's 1960s. Are we going to have like a gangster fight? I don't know. Like, mm. well, Nazis, obviously. Um, just no aliens. Ooh. Please, please, no aliens. That. No, no aliens. No, no, no Nazis. I mean, I, I mean, you could have Soviet spies and stuff. Um, well, that's true. have that going on. But let's see. What was going on in the 60s? Was that the Korean War? No, it was over by then. Late sixties Vietnam. Oh, that started. would be wouldn't that be the start of the Vietnam or close to like Yeah, sixty eight, I think. So I feel it's gonna be Canadians. So the Canadians are gonna be finding his item and they're gonna be so nice, they're trying to track him down and like he's like fighting around trying to get it from the Canadians and they're just being so nice and he can just not find it. They're really trying to help him out. Matt isn't the bad guy. He's just trying to give Indiana Jones the thing he needs. And he's like, Here you go. And Oi. Jones keeps like flipping around, chasing other people. And he's like, "Here, Oi, this belongs in a museum, don't you know?" <laughs> yeah. yeah. You copy, I I somehow doubt that, but yeah, I mean, I had to say it because you guys were coming up with all these enemies, and I'm like, "Let's just make it Canadians." No, <laughs> that would be great. That would be funny. That'd be terrible. Yeah, I mean, like, all... see us coming then, Mary. <laughs> In all reality, if, if, if we're just fighting ca- Canadians in Indiana Jones 5, then it should be the last Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> hey, it's still better than I aliens. don't know. I don't know. It what... is still better than Aliens. Well. Yeah. What? <laughs> I feel like the Aliens was a cop-out. It was such a cop-out. Such a cop-out. They weren't aliens. They were extra-dimensional beings. Watch the movie. But I'm really excited to see who they make the new indie, seeing how Shia LaBeouf does not appear to be returning. Which I'm kind of bummed about. I actually yeah. love him. Like, I mean, the aliens was my one complaint about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, but everything yeah. else I, really I thought he had done a good job. His son, you know, like, I, I actually liked Shia, Shia LaBeouf, LaBeouf. Like, I thought he was a good actor. Yeah. Like, the movies I've seen him in, I've enjoyed. Um, Kind of yeah, he hasn't cropped up in that list of names. It, knowing Lucasfilm, it's going to be a girl this time, though. Oh uh, yeah, it's you're probably right. His daughter. Well, well, actually, no, that would be interesting. So let's say, let's say Shia LaBeouf is not in Indiana Jones Five. They introduce some sort of daughter that takes on Indy's role, and in the next movie, is him, is her maybe trying to find her uh, her brother no, for a team No, up. they run into each other, uh, and they're both named Indy because it's two different moms that named their daughter Indy. That'd be terrible. That, that be just Why can't they just? It's like an obscure reference to a series that Lloyd Alexander wrote. It's called the Vesper Holly series, Vesper Holly Adventures. But it's pretty much like Vesper Holly is along those lines. She's like she's a female Indiana Jones, a teenager. Um, that just that conversation made me think of that. But Vesper Holly, yeah. right, Lloyd Alexander. Just link them up with Laura Croft and be done with it. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Check us out, folks. The next Star Trek film has a release date. So ever. 
Ever since 2016, Star Trek Beyond, the film franchise has been in a holding pattern, while the Star Trek brand itself hasn't slowed down, with Paramount Plus pumping out a bunch of Trek TV series, including Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Lower Decks, Star Trek Picard, and the upcoming Star Trek Strange New Worlds. But not much has happened with the Star Trek movies. There was talk before the installment that that would unite Chris Pine's James T. Kirk with his father, George Kirk, played by Chris Helmsworth, but that never came together. And there was talk of Quentin Tarantino tackling the Star Trek film, but you know that kind of seems more like a fleeting fantasy than a serious pursuit. And then there was Fargo showrunner Noah Hawley pursuing a Trek film that also seems, I don't know, to evaporate it or something. So, so what is happening with Star Trek films? Well, we still have no idea. <laughs> Yet, Paramount has officially announced that the next untitled Star Trek movie is on the books for a film release date of June 9th, 2023. But the truth is, we still don't know anything about this new Trek film. We don't know if it's a continuation of the Kelvin timeline started with J.J. Uh, Abrams' Star Trek in 2009, or if this is going to be a fresh reboot, or what. But io9 is reporting that it's being produced by J.J. Abrams. So could it be a continuation of J.J.'s Trek films? Or with everything that Paramount Plus is pushing out, could we maybe get a few more seasons of Star Trek Picard and then maybe have a Star Trek Picard slash Next Generation movie? I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. But the one thing we do know for sure is June 9th, 2023, is the intended release date of a brand new Star Trek movie. So, with all the rumors about all the different Star Trek movies that could be in development, I bet they're holding a race. <laughs> Whoever gets furthest along, oh boy, they'll decide from the from the contenders who gets that slot. This, that, That's what's going to happen. That seems like a terrible business idea. Let's make a product and. Let's see if it if it happens to meet our release date. So it's not whether it meets their release date. It's they can yeah. then check the the quality of the product they're getting. They've got multiple contenders for it. Who earns the spot? Which of the directors have the best storyline, the best production setup? This is like a giant waste of money, though. Yeah, that's what a bunch of Hollywood movies do, though. Is there's so many Hollywood movies that never make it past that point. It's not like normal know. Hollywood procedure, as far as what I can tell from other movies I've watched. <laughs> I mean, um, what's that movie about the movie that was never made, but they rescued yeah. a bunch of people in um, the Middle East? Yeah. Argo? Oh, Argo. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen that, but I've heard of it. Oh, Argo. It's with, super with, good. Uh, uh, Ben Affleck. Yeah, it's it's the start of a movie. Yeah. They get through like press releases, but the movie never actually goes anywhere, and that frequently happens. And so they could be doing that with Star Trek, seeing what gets the most buzz, what things people actually want, and well, this is a normal Hollywood procedure. Could they be doing that? Yes, but I don't think it's really likely. <laughs> I mean, I mean, let's take a let's take a major. Uh, a major pop cultural franchise that's been around for like half a half a century at this point, and roll the dice with it. I, that They're not rolling the dice. It's They've funny. literally got like a bunch of options, yeah. and they're developing the options to see what works best. That's not rolling uh, the dice. I call that rolling the dice. 
You might, but I, I call that rolling the dice. It's not a game plan, folks. So, anyways, the well, June 9th, 2023, we will find out for sure what kind of Star Trek film we're having. But moving on, the first season of the Lord of the Rings TV series coming to Amazon Prime will cost $435 million by itself. So Amazon Studios is deep in production on its epic fantasy series inspired by J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings, and they are going all out with the budget. It was previously revealed that Amazon had committed to five seasons and that they would spend $1 billion producing those five seasons. Well, it's been revealed that the first season alone is almost costing half of that at $465 million U.S. dollars. That's almost half of what they initially planned to spend on all five seasons. I mean, that's insane. If they keep if they keep that same budget amount for each of the five seasons, I mean, they're going to be dropping over $2 billion for the entire series. So, so we know how much they're spending because of somebody named Stuart Nash, who is the New Zealand Minister for Economic Development and Tourism. He confirmed this and told the Morning Report, quote, what I can tell you is Amazon is going to spend about $650 million New Zealand dollars, which is equivalent to $450 million U.S. dollars. They're going to be spending that amount in season one alone. That is fantastic. It really is. This will be the largest television series ever made, end quote. So these numbers were released as part of the New Zealand government's official information act and confirm that the studio plans to film all five seasons in New Zealand, and check this out, as well as a possible yet unannounced spinoff Lord of the Rings TV series. And just to give you a little comparison, HBO was spending about $100 million per season for its Game of Thrones series. So, so if this is the first time you've heard of this upcoming Lord of the Rings TV series, uh, it brings the screen for the very first time the heroic legends of the fabled second age of Middle-earth's history. This epic drama is set thousands of years before the events of J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings and the Hobbits, the Hobbit series, and will take viewers back to an era in which great powers were forged, kingdoms rose to glory and fell to ruin, unlikely heroes tested, hope hung by the finest of threads and the greatest villain that ever flowed from Tolkien's pen, threatened to cover all the world in darkness. Beginning in a time of relative peace, the series follows an ensemble cast of characters, both familiar and new, as they confront the long-feared reemergence of evil to Middle-earth from the darkest depths of the Misty Mountains to the majestic forest of the elf capital of Lindun to the breathtaking island uh, kingdom of Numenor to the furthest reaches of the map. These kingdoms and characters will carve out legacies that live on long after they are gone, end quote. So, I don't know, $465 million for one season. That's a chunk of change. They, uh, if they, you know, I think that it, it might be a little misleading because, you know, with season one, they've got to build out the sets and they've got to do a lot of the initial investment and that kind of thing. So it would surprise me if mm, moving point. forward, you know, there's, there's a lot of upfront costs to setting up a whole new world. 
Um, and certainly it's going to be more expensive than the 1 billion that they, uh, that they had initially announced, but I'm glad to see they're investing in it. I hope oh, that yeah. I, 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 my fear is that one of these things is going to come along and bomb because these, these studios are coming in there. They're putting, and they've done great. They've done amazing things for the most part. I can't think of anything that has had a really high budget like this. The production value has gone into that's bombed. That's a lot of money to turn around though. Um, I can think of one and that was, um, Oh, I, I, I'm picturing it in my head. Um, it's the Italian Marco Polo. Oh, on Netflix. That was a great series. It was too. amazing, was but they, they consider it a bomb. Yeah, that's, that's true. And, you know, I, I wonder though, spending that much money, how can you, I mean, how do you make your money back on that? Well, you know, Amazon Prime doesn't care so much about the money made from uh, Prime memberships. They care, they care that people have Prime memberships so that they shop on Amazon and, uh, Amazon, so, and that's the that's the beauty of Amazon's uh, business model is that is that the the Prime, the Amazon Prime videos are not not the money maker. It's it's the uh, it's the coupon that gets people in the door, and then they start spending all the other money. I mean, so 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 Amazon has the freedom to just kind of you know blow chunks of change like this because because they're not going to recoup their costs from the TV show. They're going to recoup their costs from all the memberships and all the you know products purchased on Amazon. Yeah, I just find it weird. I think everybody I think they've kind of reached critical mass on Amazon Prime memberships already, you know? So it's like are they really going to bring that many people in? Is it really going to force them to shop at Amazon that much more? I don't know. But then again, we're talking about Amazon where this is, you know, they probably make this in interest, you know, a quarter. So yeah. Well, I, I will admit we have an Amazon Prime membership, so yeah. we can watch some of watch their stuff. But I'm also more yeah. apt to purchase from Amazon yeah. because we have the membership. It's, it's kind of worked on us. I'll admit it. So yeah. yeah, it's the whole free shipping and like like it's mm-hmm. shipping and it's fast shipping too. Yes. Yes. Uh. So. So. Make the fast shipping of season one uh, of Lord of the Rings, Amazon. That's what all I'm saying. So, all right, moving on. Reports for the upcoming Star Wars Ahsoka series seem to reveal the basic underlying story. So there's a, a lot in the pipeline for Star Wars fans to look forward to to include the Obi-Wan series, the Bad Batch, Rogue Squadron, Rangers of the New Republic, Landor, Andor, Star Wars Visions, and more. But today... We have some rumored info that's being reported on the Ahsoka series, which is that character that we all love from Star Wars, The Clone Wars, Rebels, and she's even portrayed by Rosario Dawson in Mandalorian Season 2. Well, according to a report from a rather reputable scooper, Daniel RPK via comic book, the logline, which basically is kind of like the, uh, the overall story, uh, uh, focus for the Ahsoka TV series reads, quote, Ahsoka Tano is on the hunt for the evil Grand Admiral Thrawn in the hope it will help her locate the missing Ezra Bridger, the young Jedi that disappeared with Thrawn many years ago, end quote. Uh, the source also 
uh, offers information on two characters that are going to be new to the series. The first is called Boca, described as a very strong-minded and independent natural leader. Apparently, Lucasfilm is looking for an actor with a boyish-looking Middle Eastern, African, Pacific Islander, Black-slash-African-American mixed ethnicity or West Indies Caribbean actors between the ages of 20 and 45 years old. The other character is, I, I'm assuming you pronounce it Morai? Is that how you guys would pronounce that? Oh, I would tackle it, yeah. Yeah, Morai? Anyways, this person is being described as a very volatile and unreliable male character who is simultaneously complex and shady. There is no specific race or ethnicity listed for the role, but the actor uh, is the actor needs to be between the ages of forty and sixty years old as an ideal. Uh, so while we don't have confirmation on this news, you know, all these reports are all rumored until Lucasfilm themselves announced it, but. You know, let's be honest, this log line is pretty much exactly what I think every single person thought the Ahsoka TV series would be ever since Rosario Dawson's uh, Ahsoka said, we're uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn. So, there we go. Uh, yeah, I just want this. I want more Ahsoka. She's so mm-hmm. cool. Oh, I'm so like I'm just like forget Marvel, forget all those. Like, give me more Star Wars, give me more Ahsoka. Like, I'm happy. I want that. Yeah. Oh. And especially like revisiting that because it's just like, you know, Rebels. It like leaves you on that cliffhanger of not knowing oh, yeah. what exactly happened. It's just that um, all Ezra says is he's looking forward to coming back home, and it's like okay, so we know they're gonna find him somehow. Yeah. But, you know, this takes place like years after that happened, and so it's like, oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. Well, I, I feel like I feel like that is the, the storyline is the natural progression of Ahsoka's story, and and this is where they're going. But my thought is, um, you know, it, are are folks going to need to go back? I mean, they should go back. And watch the Clone Wars and Rebels, but but dude, I'm going to. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean they should. Obviously, anybody listening to this podcast should have watched Rebels and Clone Wars already. But for everybody else out there, like you know, my parents who like watching The Mandalorian, they haven't seen the Clone Wars. They haven't seen the uh, Rebels. Do you think they think they're going to set this up in such a way that you need to watch it? I think you're going to have some sort of like recap, or I don't know how they're going to do it. I I will say I do hope so. Um, because, like, Clone Wars, you know, that's seven seasons. Rebels is four seasons. But, you know, that's a lot of time to commit to. But I do hope that they, like, set up the series so that you can at least know what's happening. Um, I do hope it does, like, I guess in a sense, I hope it does both of it. Where it makes you want to go watch Clone Wars and Rebels. Because that's what The Mandalorian did for me. Like, it yeah. made me want to go watch The Clone Wars. And I'm so glad I did. Because between Clone Wars and the Star Wars Rebels, I was able to understand, like, Mandalore a whole lot yeah. more. And then, like, I was even more excited when, like, the Dark Saber cropped up. And later when Ahsoka came up, like, and then you get Bo-Katan. Like, when they cropped up, like, it was, it made more, like, it was more exciting because I understood the roles of everything. Yeah. So, so I hope they'll do both. Like, 
it will give a recap so that someone that hasn't seen Clone Wars or Rebels will know enough what's going on, but it will also make them want to go and watch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I look forward to it. It's going to be awesome. But uh, I think it's time to talk some Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We had our honeymoon on Alderaan. Good thing we took pictures, huh? <laughs> Shut up, Wesley. You have no idea what you're dealing with. Uh, Shakespeare in the Park. And the bell means it is time for our right Falcon and the Winter Soldier pre-finale So, who would like to start? Mr. Barnes, why does Sam aggravate you? 15 seconds to drop! So what's our plan? Great. Superheroes cannot be allowed to exist. I have no intention to leave my work unfinished. The wall's upside down right now. Where do we start? Buck, I have a plan. Oh yeah? What is it? Is you ready? Ready, ready. Here we go again, huh? We've been grinding hard on the job. Can't take that from us. Are you ready? Oh. Is you ready? Ready? You ready? Oh. Ready? Ready? Is you ready? Oh. Are you ready? Ready? Is you ready? Hello, girl. Kick your ass. I. See? That wasn't so hard. Are you ready? Oh. Is you ready? Ready? Okay. You say you ready. What are you doing? Ready. Are you having a staring you contest? Ready? Are you ready? Ready? Is you ready? Just blank. Sweet Jesus. I mean, how old are you? Hey, special shout out to all you super nerds who have hit that podcast subscribe button. We really, really appreciate you. Please help us get the word out and tell a friend about the podcast. And I also want to invite you to subscribe to the podcast if you have not done so already. Come on, do it. You'll get plus 10 nerd XP. Nerd XP. Anyways, uh, I think... We are shaping up to see a Captain America or a Falcon America versus uh, Captain Decapitation. <laughs> yeah, ca- Captain Decapitation fight in this finale. I think that's I think that's where we're headed. Yeah, it's shaping up. There are a lot of storylines to wrap up in this series in the in the last episode, and uh, I think we should all throw out spoilers right now. Spoiler alert! If you're not caught <laughs> yeah. up. We're yeah. going to be there. Spoiler alert, yeah. But I think that they've got I, – I, I think that's going to happen. I think that what is uh, Super Agent or whatever his comic book right. counter, 
U.S. agent. Yeah, U.S. agent. I think, but I really like the way that they're drawing this out and having Sam not only take up that mantle, which seems like it's going to be the obvious direction, but the struggle to take up the mantle. I think Mm -hmm. that his intern, and it's not just about, I I think a big part of it is of course, the racial history of the, of the captain America um, name. Super soldier stuff. Right. But I I I think that's a big part of it, but I think a lot of it is because Steve was his friend. And you really get that sense, you know, yeah. there's the cultural impact of it, but there's also the fact of honoring your friend and everything they meant and, and you measure yourself against them, which for Sam is particularly difficult because he, he has such a high opinion of, of Steve. So, yeah. Yeah. On your left. Well, and then there's the excitement of um, what the, uh, Austin kept calling her Elaine, and yeah, I Elaine know Bennett. her act. I know the actress's name, but he's yeah, messing from, with my from head. Seinfeld, Elaine Bennett. That's how we'll refer to her. Val, Louise Dreyfus. Yeah. Anyway, so her cameo, has, Elaine's cameo, yeah, has got to be something bigger. And so I was reading about her character in the comic books. And she's an agent for Leviathan, a rival to Hydra. Interesting. And there is rumor, um, um, Leviathan was also mentioned in um, Agent Carter. Um, and oh, they did Michelle. a lot of dealings in the comic books with Russia and how they had their programs in Russia. Ah. And so we'll we might be seeing some Leviathan coming up in Black Widow. Black Widow, yeah, with that. and so Leviathan looks like it could be shaping up to be the big enemy, like Hydra was. Interesting. That'd be cool. Except for every time, every time a lane comes on, we need to hear a no. Yes. No. Do Do you think they're setting up the Thunderbolts or the? The, what are they? Uh, the the other group, kind of like the Suicide Squad for Marvel. What are they called? The oh yeah, the Thunderbolts. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think they're setting that up? No, no with, idea. With U.S. Agent <laughs> and uh, so he actually has another part in the comics outside U.S. Agent where he gets kicked out of the army and turns bad. Wait, who does U.S. Agent? John Walker. Yeah. yeah. And that's actually a more recent 2019 um, happening in the comics. Have a bad. A I, bad I don't remember America. what his new um, name is when he goes bad. Butthurt America? Yeah, Butthurt America. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. I, I just realized I'm like, that's probably a good heads up for the listeners is like, there is an end credit scene with this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 that end credit scene really screams "Butthurt America" is my name. Well, <laughs> I mean, he's making his own shield, and I mean, I mean, I, I guess having a metal shield would be good in some ways. But I mean, when you think about vibranium, at least you know, uh, in the MCU. Yeah, has, t- has told us that vibranium, I guess it's like super light. I guess you can like throw that thing anywhere and 
Uh, I don't know about just a traditional metal shield. I just, I just like that end scene because it just showed just how unhinged John Walker had been. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I yeah. really liked that. And I'm just like, oh, boy. Like, that, that fight scene between him, Sam, and Bucky, like, that was intense. That was crazy. And I'm just like, it's like that was crazy. And that was the, you know, second to last episode. It's going to be even crazier yeah. when he has his own homemade shield. No. I mean, well, that was cool. Green, but he has a shield. No? I'm really hoping his costume no. is like the same quality as Spider Man's first costume in the MCU. <laughs> Because that, sh- that, that like, is just what should be happening. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, okay, so in that last in episode, what, five? There, you know, he's, like, getting fake court-martialed or something. And he, uh, okay, first of all, my word, um, they're, 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 they say they take away his benefits. They they couldn't take away his benefits. If if if, if you've done twenty in the army, you, your benefits are with you no matter what happens in the rest of your life. You've, you've earned no, it. If you get court-martialed, you can't. No, no. It was an other than honorable discharge. No, no. no. Um, plus, in order there's to also get to- your benefits. You have to have an honorable honorable discharge. Yes. Uh, no, no. Get your twenty-year letter and read it. Anyways, uh, but the uh, the other thing is uh, there's all sorts of benefits that come with getting a medal of honor. On top of that, on top of that, dude, the, the dude obviously got PTSD issues from all this medal of honor stuff. Like you don't just throw him to the curb like that. Anyways, he should never have been made captain. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> The whole thing is stupid. The U.S. government made Captain America for what purpose? We 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 need to feel we need to feel good again. <laughs> I, I, I think know. that I I don't know if they were trying to do this or not, but I think that in that scene where he's talking to whoever that panel is, um, you know, that's the first time, and I still don't like the character, so don't take this the wrong way, but. That's the first time I felt a twinge of empathy for him because, you know, he's like, and yes, his motivations are are not pure and he has very poor judgment. But that's the first time where you just kind of hear him lay it out raw. And he's like, look, I've done everything. I, you made me. And now I'm doing this stuff based on his poor judgment. But, you know, he's like, you made me. This is what I am. Of course, now he's that jacked up on serum. But the problem I really think is the U.S. government didn't put him on a tight enough leash. Um, they thought they could just let him go, like Steve Rogers went, and he needed to be on a much tighter leash. Which is yeah. funny because you have the whole Sokovia Accord. Yeah, so was trying to like keep them on tighter leashes. Well, the, 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 an exception because like, and this is something I do want to bring up and like theorize about. Um, like he wasn't a super soldier. He didn't. He wasn't a super. super yeah. He wasn't under the Sokovia Accords because he had no powers. Yeah. 
But at the same time, I can't imagine the U.S. government going, yeah, you and your buddy can go do whatever, no oversight whatsoever. You don't have yeah. to report to any commanding officer yeah, or anybody. It's... I just don't see that happening in the U.S. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's very, very unrealistic. But who cares? It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's one of these things we got to suspend disbelief and just have fun with what's going on. One thing uh, I do want to mention, Jekka, Jekka mentioned that fight um, between the three of them in the last episode, in episode five. And I just want to say, probably the best line in the whole series was Bucky going, yeah, we do. <laughs> because John Walker was like, you don't want to do this. And the only thing Bucky said in that whole scene was he was just looking down, he just looked up, made eye contact, and he was like, yeah, we do. <laughs> and I was You're just right. like, right, that was really, that was his only line. Oh, I love those like single one-liner kind of thing. That explains mm. why I liked it so much because I was like, it's like, yeah, I want to. Uh, what do you guys thought about the whole the season as a whole? I mean, some people were, you know, there there have been some negative uh, feedback kind of flew around the internet. Some people saying like, okay, we're like three episodes in. This last episode wasn't too great. What like what's going on with the story? Um, I mean, the story, I mean, I'll be honest with you, the uh, the Flag Smashers, I mean, they seem like a pretty weak uh, villain. Like, the, the, the their only purpose is a plot device, so that way they can have John Walker try to team up with them and then go crazy. Um, they, they don't seem to really add much to the overall story. So, the, the thing is, is here's why I see the Flag Smashers are. The Flag Smashers aren't as important as the fact that they're being used by someone bigger than them. Are they? Who, uh, there's who's that using the who, who are they getting the super soldier serum from? Oh, I thought they were just making it on there. No, they're getting it from, what was it that's um, over the one city? Oh. Mangalore. Ma- well, the guy Mangalore. who was making it Mangalore. The guy that was like, making it, it up. That is a fictional place, so there you go. Yeah. Um... But there's someone that was in charge, and I think that's going to be um, eventually revealed as um... power broker. Yeah, so the power broker. Yeah, and so they were providing super soldier serum as a test, and so this is more of the experience of seeing how the super soldier serum is getting spread, and that's why you're only seeing a few. That, that might be why they were sending Captain America out after the the flag smashers is because it was a small, no big deal thing. It, it wasn't. It's not a large thing in the grand scheme of everything. Mm-hmm. So what's going to happen with Zemo? I don't know, but I hope there's a dance club wherever he's going. <laughs> well, I really like Zemo. Um, what I like about him going to the prison he's going to is they can take him out whenever they need him. They now have access to him. And I really hope they bring him out again. Oh, I know. He was like, when he crept back up, like, I don't, I don't really remember him in Civil War. He wasn't as fun in Civil War. He was totally not as fun in Civil War. Yeah, but in this one, like, I really liked him i was like dude okay i'm rooting for that guy like i I, like when he got away i was like yes (laughs) good job zemo get out of there (laughs) but i think like another thing because i know i'm noticing this so like the whole point of this 
is to try to get Sam to take on the mantle of Captain America. And yeah. I feel like that journey is getting lost with John, fake Captain America, John Walker, and the Flag Smashers. Like, the Flag Smashers, you know, it's like their they're goal, like, does feel like to me like they're just trying to be a plot device, like a, a, a thing of confrontation to try to justify Sam actually, like, accepting and becoming Captain America. But it's, like, kind of overpowering that journey. Like, I feel, I, I feel like this last episode, I finally got more of that overall storyline that I was actually wanting from step one. And you kind of get, like, little bits of it here and there, but it's something that should have been, in my opinion, should have been, like, continuous from episode one. Like, you, you see that through all of them, but I felt like it just kept getting buried. So I have to say what I really like about the Flag Smashers is that, yes, you guys see them as a plot device. But for me, I see them as kind of filling out the world that the, that the MCU has. And you're seeing the civil unrest caused by the blip. And you're seeing the pain from the perspective of certain people. Like we kind of saw that in um, Spider-Man Far From Home. Where we saw there was the pain of the people who were flipped out. Well, now we're seeing the pain of people who were refugees, people who didn't live in well-to-do countries. They got to move to wealthy countries and develop a life for five years. And then to be told, okay, well, sorry, we're kicking you out. Anything that you were building here, it's gone. And you see that anger and that pain. And why so many people would help them. And so I like how it gives a more a larger dimension to the world around the Avengers. Hmm. That's a good point. That is a great point. I have, I have not thought about that. I, I uh, commend you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's, that's, a good, that's a good thought. Uh, all right. So, so we've got two, we've got two MCU produced TV shows. We got WandaVision, we got Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and we're, we're, we're almost done with this, this one. And I gotta be honest with you, I'm kind of missing Daredevil and Punisher and the uh, Netflix Marvel TV shows. I kind of feel like those ones. I don't know, just grab my attention more. I, and I, I agree. And I honestly don't know how to, I don't know what to, I don't know how to think about it or what to say about it. I, I, I mean, I, I would, I don't know. I would prefer that the MCU main storyline TV shows, uh, you know, I, I, I wish I'd prefer those better, but I think I'm leaning towards the Netflix ones. So, the difference is, is the main MCU ones are mini movies. They are, they're, yeah. not, they're, they're not mini movies; they're extended movies. Let's put it that way: they're extended movies over a TV series. Yeah, and it's not going to be a series because they're one shots. No, no, I get that. And nonetheless, that's I, why they're not as good as Daredevil. Well, and you Punisher. think you think it'd be the other way around? You think if they had a very solid storyline with a real uh, interesting plot that they wanted to focus an entire series around that one plot, start to finish, it would it would be more enjoyable than um, 
then something that gets dragged out over multiple seasons. But but uh, I don't know. I I just I I find the uh, Daredevil and Punisher specifically. I mean, even the Defenders I enjoyed um, uh, more. I think more so than both WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I think right it's. Now. I think if you look at those, and this is just my quick take because I hadn't really thought about it, but I think if you look at those, um, they're much more intimate stories with the, with the main character. Uh, when you talk about daredevil punisher, all those, right. Jessica Jones. Um, so they kind of exist in a silo. Yeah. There's the defenders, the larger, the larger group, but I find that when I'm watching WandaVision or I'm sure I'll do it with Loki um, or Falcon and the Winter Soldier, or as my wife calls it, Falcon and the Snowman, um, we, uh, <laughs> we, I find that I'm watching it, but I'm watching it in the context of how it fits into everything. And it's an exercise, right? I mean, it's a mental exercise as is evidenced by this and so many other conversations that are had um, about how all of it fits together. And you don't really, the, the, the other siloed series are much more, uh, well, I mean, they exist in a way where you just look at them. You don't have to consider what's happening with Frank Castle to know what's happening with, Mm -hmm. with, uh, you know, uh, daredevil, what's happening with Jessica Jones. You don't, there aren't all of these tendrils tying these things together. Sure. There are, some things that tie them together. I mean, just geography, but I mean, I think that it's a much more, it's a much easier story to, to follow because you're not forced into trying to figure something out outside of the series. And the, the focus on the main characters and fleshing them out and their struggles and their achievements and their failures, I think hit home much harder with those series because of that. That's my take on it. Yeah. It's kind of how daredevil is limited to the city. And so we get to focus. It's it's that laser focus. And whereas Sam is going from Louisiana to around the world and He's a busy guy. Yeah, but the focus is on one storyline for for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier's TV series. So there's focus on different different things, but there's still focus. And and you'd think the focus on a on one storyline uh, plot line would be a lot more uh, enjoyable than you know Daredevil. Punisher uh, approach to uh, storytelling. I'm just really hoping that the rumor that they're bringing back um, Matt Murdock and the same actor for Matt Murdock for Spider-Man. I'm really, really hoping. Yeah. Charlie Cox. I'm really hoping that they then can then bring back a new Daredevil series with him in the MCU. Cause that'd be awesome. Hey Bob, I got a question for you. What, was in the case which case the case that they gave sam in episode Mm. five i'm willing to wager that it is a suit similar to the one that uh steve was wearing in wakanda in infinity war um i don't think that he got a new set of wings i think those are going to be fixed up by that dude he gave them to 
Torres. Yeah. Yeah, and he's going to become the new Falcon. <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about. I think they might be vibranium wings. Oh boy. Mm, uh, cool. Or it could be a suit like T'Challa's, like the Black Panther suit. Mm. Or his mom packed him a lunch. <laughs> it could be Marcellus's soul. Oh wait, that's Pulp Fiction. Sorry. <laughs> I just really hope that next episode Sam gets accidentally injected with some super soldier serum. That would be no, awesome. No, no, no. Yes, it's fun. No, around. no, no. Of no. that, are we pretty sure that John Walker took the serum? Because I'm oh, like, yeah. oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah he, he bent that rod in half, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, check us out. In a recent interview with Entertainment Weekly, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier director, Carrie Skloglin, discusses Sam taking on the mantle of Captain America and what it means for Sam to take up the shield. He said, uh, we want Sam to engage in both a public and private conversation of what it means for a black man to pick up such an iconic, historically white symbol. By starting off with his acknowledgement of how important it is as a symbol and that it is connected to a bygone era, Sam opens the door to the idea that what defines a hero today is not the same idea as it was when Steve first picked up the shield. It is important that we explore all sides to its future as a symbol, given it represents the American flag and the deep history that comes with something that represents equality and freedom. It needs to be an ongoing discussion because those very coveted ideas that are the core to the American dream are actually fragile and need to be protected from those that go down a slippery slope, no matter how well intended that actually puts freedom and equality in the crosshairs. I wanted the show to explore the redefinition of a hero who has traditionally been seen as a warrior slash soldier to being a first responder and frontline worker, uh, to see a hero who is a strong moral fiber and is uh, 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 not rigid, uh, include and discuss with the opposition with an eye to solving global issues because they are ultimately interconnected to our universal quality of life. End quote. So, so that pretty much confirms Sam will be taking on Captain America's mantle. One thing I do like, and I really liked it in the show, is how he's able to talk people down and de-escalate situations. Yes. That was... And... um, Yeah, and so I, I like how they're talking about that and how it's a redefinition of a hero. A hero doesn't have to go in swinging. And they can bring the situation down and resolve it without fighting. And so I love that that's part of Sam. Well, and, and I like Anthony Mackie that has done an you, amazing job of portraying that. So, okay. Sorry, Brady, go ahead. I, I started talking over you. No, that's all I was going to say. I couldn't hear you. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to talk over you. I was just saying that Anthony Mackie's just done an amazing job at portraying that aspect of Sam's character. Yes, yes. And what were you saying, Jacka? Um, I was saying, like, so that was actually something I really liked. It was the fourth episode when he goes in to talk to Carly, and he's, like, totally connecting with her and kind of helping her see, like, 
look, like I understand where, and I liked it how he flat out said, he's like, I totally agree with you. Like what you're doing. Yeah. Like that's not fair, but the way you're doing it, like, do you really think that's right? And I liked that how he kept praising that, like kind of turning it on her and helping her. And, you know, I liked it that she blew up. She's like, stop putting words in my mouth, you know? But I really liked that aspect of him. Like, you know, he's trying to talk to her and she is starting to turn towards him, like kind of, come around his line of thinking and then John Walker comes in doing that quintessential what we would expect swinging and like ready for a fight and and I liked that juxtaposition of showing like no like the talking down and de-escalating like that was what needed to happen not rushing in yeah and blazing hey butthurt America come here and save the day (laughs) discretion is the better part of valor isn't that what they say yeah, yeah. So, anyways, um, all right. Last predictions for this upcoming episode, and, and any other last thoughts uh, on Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Last predictions. What do we got? I I think we're gonna see a Falcon. I think we're gonna see Falcon in a Captain America outfit with the shield versus John Walker in a you know cosplay Captain America outfit and shield. So. I think that John Walker is going to be kept around. I think he'll be defeated, but I think they're going to, I, I don't think this is the last we're going to see of him in this finale. I think he's going to come back at some point in the MCU. I don't know where, yeah. but, um, but yeah, I, gotta, I think he's going to be sent off with his tail between his legs. Along those lines, I think the days of the MCU killing off all its uh, villains is um is over i mean there there's going to be some villains that obviously have to get killed off but uh, i think the one of the lessons that kevin feige and his uh cohorts have learned is that some villains like zemo and uh and agnes are way too valuable to be used again and they're starting to understand that you gotta look at the source material they keep using the same people <laughs> well, it, it took them. It took them twenty-two movies and two two TV shows to figure that out. Something. Yeah, well, they, they had to make it more realistic. Technically, Zemo wasn't killed off in Civil War, so they did kind of learn it earlier. Now they're learning how to reuse them. Yeah, he was in jail. Yeah. All right. What what other predictions or final thoughts? As much as I don't want it to happen, I think they will end up killing Carly. I don't want her to like I, I that's where i side with sam where it's like no i don't want her to die like i do you know but i think i think that will happen but i think it will be kind of like in a crosshair fight between walker and sam so, so be i like kind of the casualty of that mm-hmm. that's my- yeah so going along with that i think we're going to see a confrontation with the power broker mm, oh yeah and so um I'm really trying to Sharon mm-hmm. um, is going to be exposed as the power broker. I think that's going to happen in the the, the last episode. And I think, cool. I think it's dealing with the power broker that Carly's dealing with Sharon and that that's where it comes out. And it's turns from a fight between Sam and Carly to a fight between Sam and Sharon and Bucky and Sharon. And she dies in the crossfire. 
I wonder about the pair, the power broker identity. And the only reason I wonder about that is because th- there are a lot of references to he is watching. Right. So that's uh, yeah. the only reservation I have about it being her. It very well could be, but I think, I don't know. I think she's a cog. If you don't know who they are, if you don't want people to know who you are, you're going to want to, and a lot of times people want a masculine top figure. And if they find out it's female, it becomes less intimidating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And I think that's a possibility, but that's the only, that's the only uh, like thing that makes me think it may not be her. I could be wrong. I could be completely wrong. I want to know where Bucky goes after this. So yeah. I mean, Ooh, it, it, are they just going to bench him? I know the focus has been on Sam and John Walker, but Bucky's character is so great. Where I mean, he can't go back to Wakanda for a while, right? Um, Bucky needs to go to Louisiana and date Sam's sister. <laughs> just because that would be funny. <laughs> That'd be great. Returning this to a telenovela? <laughs> no, I just because it, Sam was so irritated by it. That's why. You don't think we're saying bye to the Winter Soldier for a while, do you? I don't, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe for a little bit. Yeah, maybe if there's another ensemble series. Um, huh. But they're, I, they're, I, yeah, I don't know. They're going to be building up to that. So we probably won't see him for a little while just because we've got to get all these other movies going. But we might see him in some of the other movies, though. So we know. His character development through this series has been has beaten everything he's done before. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I really want to see him reconcile with Nakajima's poem. That storyline that they brought up, I really liked that. I want to see him... Mm -hmm kind of have that confession yeah maybe um maybe they set up what bucky's gonna be doing for a while because he he was avenging instead of what do they call it he was avenging instead of mending is that what it was yeah that's that's what that's what sam said he was doing he was just yeah he wasn't amending and the nakajima nakajima song that would be amending yeah, so maybe if so if 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 Bucky doesn't show up for a while, maybe that's what they're gonna just have him do is that he's just going around making amends. And, and maybe that's how we bring yeah. in um the the girl that's gonna be replacing Black Widow is mm. Bucky goes to make amends with her. Sure, sure. I'm telling you, it's gonna be it's gonna be Super Soldier. My name is Earl. That's exactly. <laughs> <what I'm saying>. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he'll he'll get his own TV show. My name is Bucky. So, anyways, hey folks, thanks so much for joining us on another adventure of Super Nerd Podcast. Please leave us a review wherever you're listening to us. Hit that podcast subscribe us subscribe button and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor, or wherever else you find us. Hey, next week, we're going to be talking the Mortal Kombat movie, but we're also going to be talking a little Falcon and the Winter Soldier finale, too. So, so we'll get that out of the way, and then we'll be talking a lot of Mortal Kombat, so make sure 
to leave us a voicemail with your thoughts on Mortal Kombat or the Falcon and the Winter Soldier finale at anchor.fm slash Podcast, and you just might be featured on the upcoming show. You can also email us your thoughts at supernerdpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Search Supernerd Podcasts. Give us a like, give us a share, and tell a friend about us. But in the meantime, stay nerdy, my friends. Have fun. Catch you later. Bye. Hadouken. <laughs>